You know, when I said yesterday that I was going to get up and go hard in the morning, today, uh, I actually didn't expect to be woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning by a thunderstorm, then not be able to get back to bed, uh, and then when I finally did get up to go for the workout, it would still be raining. Really didn't think that went through, but still got it done. Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you guys are doing well. This here is my daily audio digest. Yik yakking about the things going on here in Beijing. Show notes, tracks, and vids are available on my website, stevensersky.com, if that's where you want to check out the archives for this audio blog. And yeah, I did get up. Uh, yeah, I was woken by it was a massive downpour this morning. I'm not sure if we're going to get another one tonight. Uh, and you know how yesterday uh, I mentioned how difficult it was to get up and go get get going in the morning on Tuesday morning because it was just so humid. Well, today it wasn't humid. Like the rain, you could just feel that the rain had basically wiped out any humidity left in the air, uh, which was great. Uh, it was a lot cooler, but still when I got up, to go for my workout uh, this morning, um, yeah, it was still raining, so I, w I went, ended up going for a rain, uh, run in the rain, got the two miles in, did some skipping, uh, jump rope, and then uh, back inside for some uh, kettlebell work as well, so it was a good productive morning, I'm not going to lie, uh, pretty nice to see as well, not many people out there this morning, the typical runners were not there, even the typical flock of old men uh, who uh, do the rounds they weren't out. I was a little bit surprised, actually, that uh, one of them in particular is usually out there uh, pretty resolutely. But uh, I guess that's... Uh, maybe they know something about the rain in Beijing that I don't know. Uh, probably they do. Uh, you know, Beijing doesn't have the cleanest of air. Maybe it's not healthy to be running in this stuff. Not sure. Uh, but that being the case, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, if it... I think we have, we're going to have clouds for the rest of the week, so... Uh, thunderstorms aren't unusual, <laughs> typically. Uh, if uh, you do, if you're thinking of uh, coming to China, you uh, might have an easier time of it now because one uh, event that has transpired today uh, is that we are no longer, uh, we, we no longer have this little asterisk on our uh, national health code. So up until today, basically, um, there, we, we'd scan this health code, this national health code, and it would flag certain districts that were medium or high risk or whatever. Uh, if it was high risk, it'd be red. Uh, if it was medium risk, it'd be yellow, I think, or orange. And then the asterisk, asterisk was saying that it was sort of like there is an at-risk area in that city, so it depends on which part of the city that person has been to. Well, that's been removed now. So I don't know what's been settled between the powers that be or the powers that are, but all of a sudden, this like the pandemic seems to be lifting, which is bizarre because Shanghai in lockdown for three months, Beijing in lockdown for six weeks, and now all of a sudden things are just being lifted. Hey, I'm not going to say boo to this. Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> let's open it up. Uh, quarantine times have been uh, shortened as well. Uh, the one issue that uh, is still pretty big is flights are expensive. Uh, $7,000 to get back to Winnipeg round trip. Now, 
here's an interesting thing. What if? What if you didn't fly direct from Beijing? Actually, let's just qualify this. Not only are the, the, the uh, tickets expensive, they're very hard to come by. There's not too many flights are departing. Uh, and if they are, they're full. Um, if they're allowed to go at all, or they're not coming in, basically. And again, China requires proof, proof of vaccination because that helps stymie the movement of the virus, I guess. They don't want to lock down any more cities if they don't have to, uh, I guess. Uh, so that that proof is still needed if you come back here, but you don't have to quarantine as much. Now, if you were thinking of departing from China, it might be expensive to go direct to your destination. But what if you flew to a neighboring country? Mongolia was one of them. Ulaanbaatar, I looked up that. It was still kind of expensive to go from um, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia to Vancouver. Once I'm in Canada, the flights are pretty much uh, normal price, I guess. Canada's sort of a small market, so the tickets are have always sort of been kind of expensive anyway. Um, but going from Beijing to Winnipeg or Beijing to Vancouver, Beijing to Vancouver was six thousand five hundred dollars Canadian. Uh, Beijing to Winnipeg was pretty much seven thousand dollars Canadian. Going, I didn't check. Beijing to Ulaanbaatar. Uh, I didn't do that, so uh, maybe that flight is either expensive or unavailable. But the one thing that I did look up was Beijing to Seoul, South Korea, $900. And I imagine that those flights are a little bit more available because there are more of them. More flights, there's more trade between those two countries. So I'm imagining it's not just like tourism or you know uh, and things like that. It's Literally, people are, are needing to take these flights uh, for any number of reasons. Uh, $900 Canadian. I'd go to South Korea for, you know, if I'm going to be there, I may as well go for a week, right? Beijing, uh, direct to uh, Seoul, South Korea, uh, a couple hours or whatever it is, 900 bucks, And then from Seoul to Vancouver, another, I'm looking at the prices here, uh, it says 1600 Canadian. Two stops. Oh, that's Hawaiian Airline. Uh, let's go Air Canada. One stop, $1,600. Roughly. Uh, $1,600, $1,700, around there. Not not cheap. Nope. Oh, it refreshed. Okay, so the, the, the prices vary. They, they start from like $1,500, uh, $1,500, 1800 $1,900. Um, so, yeah, the, they're... So 900 plus 1500, you got 2400 plus a flight to Winnipeg. That's now 2800. That's one way. You do the reverse, the the same way back. Um, you know, you just need your vac vaccination and your uh, uh, quarantine time, of course. So you double that. I mean, it's 4800 dollars. It's cheaper than the seven, but it is a bit mafanla, a little bit troublesome to do all that. But you get to go visit South Korea. I could, Stop over in Vancouver, see some people, see some family, see my brother, and head on over to Winnipeg. I mean, it seems like a nice little leisurely jaunt. Uh, I'd be living out of a backpack for a month, six weeks or so. But uh, something to think about, right? Kind of. So I guess my point with this is that that initial 
uh, cost uh, fear, which <laughs> abhorrence of the the rise in the cost of flying to anywhere outside of China. If you change maybe your first destination and then you want to depart from like a secondary destination, so Beijing being your primary, going to a secondary destination and flying to your, your end destination, your final destination, might work. Now, if you are not doing that and you're looking for jobs in China, apparently now is the time uh, to uh, be looking because the numbers have gone up in favor of the ESL teachers left in country. There's a bit of a caveat here, though. Number one, a lot of those jobs aren't in Beijing or Shanghai. <laughs> a lot of those jobs are in uh, smaller cities uh, farther away from the capital. Not a problem. Might be interesting. But you also have to be part of like the Sacred Seven those so-called native English-speaking countries. Uh, I was speaking to one lady today who's <laughs> have a bit of trouble um, getting attaining decent employment because the number they advertise uh, is, f if you're a native English speaker with a passport from those countries, for her, they, the school was going to offer her 10,000 renminbi less because she wasn't from one of those native English speakers. Even though she's fluent in English, even though she has like degrees on how to teach the thing, right? I mean, you're just kind of going, really? Wow. Birth does matter, doesn't it? Snap. Darn. Uh, so, I mean, she's looking for other employment. Uh, she's had a bit of a uh, trouble because some of these places, they, I guess they're not desperate enough, but they're getting pretty desperate. The numbers have gone up. Um, seventy thousand dollars a year for an ESL teacher isn't un unusual now. Like it actually, it seems to be that's your your typical buy-in now for uh, uh, an ESL teacher at an international school. Now, I don't really want to go work at an international school. There's different uh, grades, of course, anywhere from K to twelve. And if you got the qualifications and the patience and the desire to go do that. Awesome. More power to you. You know what? If you're interested, get in touch. I'll even send you a few links. I'll send you some some of the articles that I've seen so far, some of the job postings. Uh, but I I myself am not really want. I don't really want to go teach in a school. It's I know the people who are able to do that, and I don't think I'm very good at it. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. Uh, it would be fun, but I don't know. I don't. Maybe one year. Who knows, right? Here, I'm. I'm already uh, going backtracking on what I'm saying. I don't want to teach in a school, but it might be kind of fun. You know, I did it in South Korea. I'll do it again for a year. Might be interesting. So, fall semester is when they're looking for people to start, but you have to be in in the country. They want people here. Uh, and the other thing I think you have to agree to is that you won't leave the country. Basically, so it's like uh, you're. You're not just stuck here. That you're signing a contract saying that you're not going to depart because they're afraid that you're not going to be able to get back in. Basically, that's what it is. I'm not even sure if you'd be able to leave that city. They might be kind of very skeptical. <laughs> Rightly so, us foreigners. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to the next city over the next thing. They're in the Philippines taking pictures and stuff like that. I was like, you're not. You're supposed to be in the next city over, not three countries over. One country over. How many countries over is the Philippines? 
from China. Anyway, it's there if, uh, if it's there. Could I move away from Beijing? You know, I was thinking about this because if I, if I get this HSK5 test done and completed in two weeks' time, three weeks' time, and after that, my Chinese is decent, but I need to be more pushed to work on it, uh, especially in terms of speaking, um, why not? I mean, it might be a, a good challenge to go live in another city where I don't have that easy access to English uh, and the easy access to um, all the, the foreign amenities sort of things. It, it might be interesting. Maybe. Okay, so there you go. You got two strikes four. It could be fun for a year and it could be immersive and a good experience for developing my Chinese uh, language skills, language abilities. And you throw in there a bit of vlogging, travel vlogging, a little bit of a unique perspective of Chinese culture, Chinese countryside, you know, post-pandemic. Is that a third strike in favor? Good question. But what are you guys doing this evening? I hope you're having your book of HSK grammar. Yes, a book of Chinese grammar. Um, so as I mentioned yesterday, I was... Uh, I, I need to be basically focusing on this HSK5 stuff. Um, and today I got a little bit done. I was looking at, I was reviewing some of my old chapters, uh, which is sort of like an easy way to say that I, I studied, but it's not really, <laughs> not putting anything new in there. Um, one section that uh, I used to have trouble with in this, this book, um, I guess there's two sections, but R and San. Uh, let's see. So part one would be, uh, good question. So you, oh, something E. Oh, bl bloody blinking bomb. Dang it. Whatever. Part two. Uh, so you pay her or, oh, bloody hell. Yep. Okay. Bien si and the, these, these collocations that they come up with. <laughs> How ready am I for the HSK-5 test if I can't read the instructions? <laughs> um, but for those of you who are familiar with the, the book, you'll know the sections I'm talking about. For your, those of you who are unfamiliar with this, what they do, there's two parts. Uh, sorry, three parts. Okay, so the first part is the grammar explanation, where they give you a grammar point, uh, they explain it, and then they get they ask you to write three sentences um, involving that grammar uh, component. The part two of that section is uh, this table that they gave you where there's the dongse and the binyu. So like there, there's the verb and the uh, object of the verb. So they, they, they tell you the construction, the grammatical construction of it. If you have a verb, it can go along with this object. Um, if you have an attribute, you can go along with this, um, this modifier sort of thing. Um, I'll go to the first chapter here where I actually had to translate these words the first time. Um, yeah, Ding Yu and Zhong Xin Yu is a qualified word. So you have the attribute and the qualified word. So you have, again, uh, the chapter's target vocabulary presented to you in this format. It's like, listen, these words go together. Um, the Zhuang Yu and Zhong Xin Yu, so the uh, adverbial modifier and the qualified word, these are the ones that go together. And it gives you several of these. I remember going, oh, this is so difficult. I don't know what they're talking about. 
And now I look at it and go, oh, you know all those troubles that you have speaking Chinese where you don't know what words go together and how you were saying that you don't know how to write a sentence because you seem to get your structures wrong? It's right there. <laughs> it's, they, they give you the structure. <laughs> oh, goodness. The, the, the passage of time and the growth of knowledge and wisdom has taken the wool off mine eyes. Uh, although my glass eyes are still kind of going, ah, boy, it sparkles a little too bright for me. Uh, third part of this uh, section is where they actually differentiate between two similar words. So this one I'm looking at, Ruhu and uh, uh, Zenma. Uh, both mean how, the H-O-W, but how they're used is differently, and where they can be used is also different. So uh, this is, uh, and they go through, here are the similarities, the gong tong, gong tong dian and the bu tong dian. So the similarities and differences, uh, and they uh, outlay them so you can see how and where they can each be used. And then after that, they give you a, a table with four sentences, uh, and you check or X uh, in a box which word can be used and which word cannot be used in a sentence in that context. So this is actually very useful. <laughs> um, and so I was, th I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I should probably look through all this stuff. So it's not just the characters that I have to review, uh, which they are a little bit, they're far easier to look at this time, I tells you, than they were compared like, oh, a year and a half ago when I started this. Uh, but yeah, this would be the, the focus on grammar that I'm looking at. Uh, it'd be nice to sort of be able to write some sentences uh, on my own. But this would be great for uh, part four of the, uh, the the written section of the HSK5 test. Because if you can think of the, the verb, you can think of a modifier, or you can think of an object, right? So that in that sort of, in that sequence. So it's uh, there's no surprises. It's just that you have to know, you have to bring them to memory you have to uh, recall them and if you don't then obviously you're not going to do as well uh so i'm looking at those uh pleasantly surprised and reminded that uh, i have gotten through what 16 chapters of this book so i have two more 18 17 uh, and 16 so i have three more chapters last unit in this book and then uh also the whole other book that i haven't even really started Ouch, snap. And then that HSK5 prep book and the practice tests. So this is, all, I guess, basically where I went from uh, some creative projects uh, and a good time off from the uh, studying the language. It's now time to sort of buckle down and two weeks in, uh, two weeks to go, three weeks to go, uh, getting just doing a very good effort and trying my best as much as I can to leave no excuses, right? It's like, oh, well, I was busy, I had work, I had this, like, no, Steve, what else are you going to do at night? Get drunk? Nope. Work out again? Nope. You've done that twice. Study your Chinese. Get the language done. Put the time in. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be doing, uh, which also means that I think, yeah, I'm not going to be able to read my uh, fiction book much anymore, simply because... I'm going to have to dedicate 15, 10, 15 minutes, like my breaks, they're, they're going to go towards uh, looking at grammar, even if it's just, you know, two or three sentences. It's a lot easier now, uh, especially 
here in my apartment where I can have easier access to uh, like an electronic dictionary, which is very easy to um, stash away from work and stuff like that. So keep everything sort of segmented, right? Segregated, I guess you could say. Uh, so it's it's good that I'm able to do this. And, and it's an opportunity and it would be foolish to waste it. All right, I'm going to leave it there, folks. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you guys are doing well. And yeah, hey, if you're uh, looking for uh, job leads, hit me up either on WeChat or Twitter or wherever, and I'd be happy to uh, pass you along some of the links that I've been uh, seeing across my feed. Show notes, tracks, and vids up on my website, folks, stephensersky.com. Thanks for listening. We will talk again. Bye-bye.